welcome to the base space. Yeah, happy to have you be here, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, I think I think we're in good shape to get started here. Um, Super Chase, you guys good to go on your side? Yeah, sounds yep. good to me. Hey, Jim, welcome to the base space. Hey, what's up, Chase? What up? What's up, uh, Super High? I <laughs> know uh, it's a long name. <laughs> then we got the Crypto Mewtwo. What's up, fellas? What's up, man? Welcome to space. Uh, yeah, so Jim, a little bit about the base space. We kind of just, you know, I initially got into the Twitter beta for Twitter spaces. And uh, yeah, it was just initially just a bunch of friends messing around, having fun. And uh, slowly turned into community. And now we provide just an educational platform and educate people on all different types of crypto projects that we feel are really based. So. <laughs> <laughs> Dope, yeah. How yeah, do you yeah, it's super casual. It's, you know, we have all ty types of listeners, uh, everyone from advanced to, you know, beginners. So it's uh, it's been really, really cool. Um, yeah, yeah so it sounds dank, man. I mean, I love spaces. I mean, it's it's kind of shit, like the actual app, but I mean, they're improving it. Uh, and uh, I think it's a really good thing because it's like CT has always been like a community, but you don't really like put a voice to a face, right? Like not all of us have our IRL photos uh, and that just like solidifies connections you know I just like feel closer to everyone as a result yeah absolutely and one thing I've noticed lately um, you know cause we've been doing spaces now for several months and uh, you know they're kind of like hit and miss in between kind of small groups but one thing I've noticed is like the NFT community has like really been blowing up spaces lately I don't know if anybody else is kind of been catching that train any yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I've seen them. I've seen the NFT Twitter space just like really uh, leverage like spaces a lot. I mean, if you're going to talk about Twitter spaces, you got to talk about D's, uh, the community manager for Fractional. He's just doing them for like six, seven hours a day <laughs> as like basically like uh, his job uh, and just highlighting like really cool art, really cool projects. Obviously, all these like big PFP projects they're doing. There are AMAs and community calls on Twitter spaces too. And I haven't really seen that translate as much in the DeFi uh, and definitely not really as much in like, call it like the crypto space that isn't DeFi and, and isn't uh, NFTs. So it's like DAO governance, novel mechanism design, stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, I think there's definitely like a ton of space, like a ton of white space in order to provide a place where people can talk about DeFi, can talk about crypto, you know, trading, uh, DAOs, governance, blah, 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 right? Merge, other chains, stuff like that. So quite uh, bullish to be here so that we can give people that space. Yeah, 100%. I think like the only other spaces I see in crypto that are really popping off are some of like the Bitcoin uh, related spaces with like a few hundred people. You should come to MySpaces, man. I, I, do, them, um, I do them at 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, every Thursday, I bring on some gigabrain Taoists. We just talk about DAO governance, funding public goods, ETH2 merge, shit like that. Oh, that's based, bro. That's... 
Yeah, I'm probably working though. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> work. What an I opportunity cost, man. <laughs> nah, I, I feel you, man. Still still doing the, you know, nine nine to five type of grind. So it's okay, man. You got one, you know, one headphone in. Oh no, you you're not you're not working remote, right? That's probably why. Nah, uh, partially, partially remote, but you know, I do, I'm on like the phone, uh, pretty mm-hmm. much all day. So uh, I feel, yeah. Yeah. Not going to cut it then. You got to yeah. work. Yeah. We're good. Fully distributed tech job, man. They don't know what the fuck you do at any hour of the day. <laughs> true. True that, man. True that. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or the yeah. true giga brain is you work at a crypto company where it's your literal job to do this like me. <laughs> Yeah, I should start new finance soon. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna offer a thousand X leverage. <laughs> there we go, baby. Instant liquidation. <laughs> oh, you want to lose all your money immediately? Yeah, let's just do this. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, Jim, like, what we haven't had you on the space obviously before, and I always like to ask like new new folks that come on the space, like, how'd you actually get? involved in crypto yeah sure so i've been in crypto since 2016 i had a friend talk to me about like ethereum uh well yeah <laughs> yeah so i had a friend who's like uh you know obviously got into bitcoin early because he was on silk road um and he was like telling me about bitcoin uh, when i was in like, university with him and i was like no nah, man like I, like I don't really get this like this is super shady uh, and then 2016, we were, what, juniors. He was like, dude, like, people are like, don't talk about Bitcoin anymore. Like, talk about this thing called, like, Ether. Uh, like, it's, like, programmable money. It's, like, Bitcoin, but, like, way crazier. And I was like, okay, like, I can fuck with that, actually. And so I, like, went down a little bit of a rabbit hole. I bought a bunch of ETH. Um, and I kind of was, like, more of, like, a trader investor for a few years. Uh, I didn't, like, really go deep in the rabbit hole until, like, everything kind of just, like, died in 2018. And... I was basically like a really stupid uh, person. I basically just like diamond handed all that shit down like 90%. And I was like, okay, like I'm in it for the tech, right? Like I believe in this. This is the future, right? I'm not sad. You know, I'm like that like soy jack meme where it's like you're crying, but you wear like the happy, like the, like the smiley mask. Um, so I started re- researching more about it. I read the white paper. Uh, I read the yellow paper, read the beige paper, read the rainbow papers. And I was like, okay, like I actually really, really fuck with this. Um, at the time, uh, I was working full time at like a corporate job. I was a management consultant at McKinsey, uh, and I was like, "Oh man, like I'm gonna do this, but like this, like I really, really, really want to work in crypto." Uh, and so in 2019, I actually uh, went into crypto. Uh, I actually worked at Ripple as a product manager for two years. Uh, I picked Ripple because, well, one, I just like didn't really know what I was doing, and two, like in 2019, we were still like in the deep crypto winter, and I was like okay, like, you know, all these other, like, small rinky-dink companies, like, they, I don't know what's going to happen to them, and I kind of need job security. So I pick one of the big ones, right? I applied to, like, Coinbase and Binance US and, and, and Ripple and ultimately picked Ripple. Um, so I was there for two years. It was an interesting experience, uh, kind of, like, building within this own, ice, like, kind of, like, isolated community. And then I discovered, kind of, like, rediscovered Ethereum in 2020 with DeFi Summer with, like, Yam and... Uh, uni v2 and like liquidity mining comp mining and everything 
and I was like, wow, like this is this is super cool. And like I, I met like a really good community in Ethereum. And so I quit Ripple uh, basically the end of 2020. I uh, was kind of just like wandering around for a while, participating in some DAOs, um, like doing some kind of like advisory consulting for some friends who made it like super crypto rich and want to start their own funds. And then I joined Unstoppable in May, I think, as a PM again, uh, building what I call like platforms. So it's like I talk to people in the community and other devs to like build new use cases using the standards that we've built. So it's kind of like a really good gig because it's like I get to just like chill with the community and also like just like hear what they want to build and what they need to build. And I basically have an eng team in order to prioritize that. So I'm like co-building the future with everyone. It's like pretty much like the sickest gig ever. Yeah, that sounds really that sounds really based. I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> Be jealous of me, man. Join crypto full time. Yeah, I'm actually curious, like how how much do you contribute diamond handing that like massive L when the bubble popped with like actually keeping your interest within the market, right? Because I feel like a lot of people who probably sold just straight up like left crypto completely and their interest went elsewhere. Like, do you feel like that kind of like kept you uh, tied into the market? Yeah, that's a good question. I would definitely say yes. And it was more just like sunk costs fallacy. I was just like, oh man, like, fuck, like, I guess I might as well just like hold on to this. But it definitely gave me like skin in the game to like invest more time to read about it and like kind of like delude myself. At least that's how I felt at the time that like this was going to go up again. And I was like, oh, I totally believe in the tech. Because like I, I see a lot of people like they lose a lot of money. Uh, you know, like a lot of my friends like that ate in the ETH at like 1100 or whatever. Um, and, you know, like it went all the way down to like, you know, it was slow. It was like it was at seven and at 550 and after a while it went to two. And like people were just like, fuck this, like. I'm going to sell this, like, and I'm just going like, to move on in my life. And, like, I hate crypto. Um, but, like, and, like, I think people just, like, they have such, a, like, a limited attention span, right? It's, like, you have other shit going on. It's, like, you know, it's, like, you have your job or, like, you have, like, your normal life with your friends and your family and, like, um, like other obligations, right? So, it's, like, you only have so much mental capacity. So, it's, like, honestly, like, I think I was literally just, like, lucky or like stupid enough to like hold it and like have it as an impetus to actually explore and go deeper down the rabbit hole from like an actual builder perspective no i think i think it takes a certain uh, mindset to to really uh you know dive deep into crypto and to even start to venture around i feel like a lot of people um are just initially in it for like the quick gains and in the fast cash in a sense and they don't actually understand the technology behind it or what's happening within the within the community so it seems like you know you you obviously had an interest um did you have an interest in economics or finance before actually venturing into crypto yeah i'd always like traded stocks um so it was like kind of like a pretty similar analogy uh, so I'd, like I trained stonks and leverage, I did derivatives. So it was just like that sim similar dopamine hit. Um, yeah, I think like when you look at people's journeys into crypto, it always starts with like, like a kind of like a transactional relationship. And so, you know, before like 2021, I would say most people's foray into crypto is like with trading. It's like, oh, like, this insanely volatile asset. Like I can make a shit ton of money if I like go long on like Doge or Sheep or some shit like that, right? Um, and then they're like, oh, like, wait, like this tech is actually like pretty crazy. 
right? If you think about Ethereum, other smart contract platforms, or if you just think about like money, right? If you just think about like Monero, you're like, oh, like privacy first, like instant money around the world. Like that's pretty wild. And then you kind of get deeper, like, and it actually took me a while to like get to this third level, which was like, oh, like crypto isn't like, it's not just something to make money. It's also just not technology. It's actually like, a, you know, like a movement um, for like, kind of like taking back control over things that were taken away from us, like as the internet kind of matured. So it's the things like data privacy, like things like, uh, like predatory loans from banks and like having like a really strange, a strange relationship with your bank. And so, yeah, like I, I just think like there's so many layers that like, get deeper and deeper. And now in 2021, it's like, I think a lot of people like they either, like flip JPEGs or they're like in it for the art. And then like they go deeper in the rabbit hole too. I think we're still seeing a lot of like noobs and normies who are like, getting wrecked on like open JPEG flipping uh, and we're going to see them, you know, like maybe in six months be like super crypto pilled and like actually start building. Yeah. That's uh that's one thing that I find like really fascinating. You kind of touch on this Jim is just like that it's almost kind of like a, like a tiered level of insight of like what this market is turning into. And especially if you've been in since, you know, like 2017, you had talked about, you had got in, um, the market in 2017, we've talked about this before on the, on the space, but it's like back then there was really no functionality, right? You basically were buying into something, hoping the price goes up and you trade it and sell it to something else. There really was no depth to the actual market, um, back then. And so, you know, just moving, moving forward now, it's like, you're talking about, you have like the NFTs, you have DeFi, um, like what, what does it kind of look like from your eyes? Just kind of seeing it progress so much since 2017. Yeah, it's been pretty crazy seeing the progression. Um, it's kind of funny because like a lot of these things are super popular now. Like they didn't come out of nowhere. Like I remember when I joined, um, like DAOs were already a thing, right? Like we had the DAO hack um, maybe like a year before that. Um, was it in 2015? Maybe either 2015 or 2016 because I know ETH went live on mainnet in 2015. Um, I was like, oh, like DAOs, like they've been here forever, right? And they fucking suck. Um, and then I remember like DeFi came out too, uh, around like, call it, I mean, like Maker came out early, but like Uni and Bancor, they came out in like 2017, I want to say. And I was like, eh, like this is a toy. Like no one wants this shit, right? And, and NFTs came out and I was like, this is also really dumb. And then all of a sudden it's like not dumb. I don't know like what was the right like kind of um like inflection point right like nfts weren't dumb anymore in january 2021 uh DeFi wasn't dumb anymore in august 2020 DAOs weren't dumb anymore in call it april 2020 2021 right so it's it's been kind of interesting because it's like these are things that like everyone's been talking about for a while and it's like you just kind of have to be patient and so like i mean like free alpha folks in the room and like things that people are just like constantly talking about right now that just hasn't hit that like true like mania level inflection point yet for me are social tokens and gaming like this is just shit that people have been talking about forever and like they just haven't hit their heyday yet right uh and i think like we're gonna hit that and like like normie is gonna write like hear about it the new york times is gonna write about it it's just gonna be wild so i think those are two like two of the many things that i think were, are gonna happen that are just gonna be like absolutely bonkers Yeah, we uh, we we had Axie and Fandy on. Um, how long has it been? Maybe like a month or month or so, two months ago. 
Um, and it's been like just amazing to kind of like get that level of insight. We had Jiho on, um, and then just see like the absolute explosion of Axie um, during the last like just a few months. So yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, then we also had like Alluvium as well. So like just like having these like AAA blockchain games within this ecosystem is just going to be a game changer where people are going to be able to monetize their passion. Yeah, totally. Alluvian, who who started Alluvian again? It's like he it's like the brother of someone famous in crypto, right? Yeah, it's uh I think it's three three brothers. Uh War uh Warwick. Warwick oh yeah, it's it's Kane's a, brother, Kane, yeah, yeah. Yeah, from Synthetics. And then it's two brothers with Alluvium, I believe. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you guys have played Axie. I have. It fucking sucks. Like, let's be intellectually honest, guys, but like it there's something there, right? Like that's product market fit. Like when people do something truly shitty and like still do it and like love it, love it, quote unquote, like that's, that's, that's pretty telling. A lot of people are like, oh, Pons Anomalous, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, eh, like I choose not to see the negative in it. Um, like spaces, for example, like spaces, like every time I do spaces, like it rugs me, right? Like mid conversation just like dies, my phone dies, like drains on my battery. And yet I still do it every day, right? That's product market fit. Yeah, exactly, man. It's just all about getting started. And um, it's so cool to see so many projects be innovative and just get started and just start executing. And over time, these products will continue to improve. These games will continue to, to improve. And um, I love NFTs, man. They're bringing so many new people into the space. I just can't wait for it to go like super mainstream and everyone's able to just, just play games and, and actually make a living off of it. It's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty dank. Although, like, it has been pretty interesting to see the implications of, like, these new people coming into, like, the community. Um, and obviously, like, if you're a DeFi degen like me, you've seen just, like, the conversation of crypto Twitter completely flip towards, like, JPEGs, right? Like, Pengus and Ether Rocks and, like, Art Blocks and stuff like that. Um, like... I think there's like cultural like implications to like what's happening when like you get people who like don't give a fuck about crypto. They just want to trade like they were top shots people until they found out about like Ethereum in like January. It's it's pretty interesting because like then you see clashes, right? You see like you see friction uh, and it's pretty fascinating in my mind from just like a, you know, I have like a social sciences background. So it's like from an anthropological standpoint, I'm just like, shit like this is wild like i'm seeing just like in groups like form and and clash like live on this like little corner of the internet (laughs) it's so funny because it's so true and it's so interesting it's so like just human nature to split into your little tribe i feel like um so yeah it, it is extremely interesting yeah, Chase, we were literally just talking about that last night. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think I think people get really, really stuck in their zone. Um, and I think it's, like, super important to just not become, like, an extreme maxi. Because um, that's what I see happening with all different types of projects, NFTs. And just always keep an open mind and exploring. Because this is, like, the very beginning of this whole, of this whole journey. And you just don't want to miss anything or get kind of any type of tunnel vision yeah just to add on to that and jim you're even touching on this i think just talking about how like the growth expansion that we've seen in the market but um i feel like 
there's so much innovation that occurs so quickly. And if you become tunnel vision and become kind of like a maxi on a particular area, you get blinded and you kind of get left behind. Um, and you kind of like miss all the new like information that's coming out. I'm actually curious, Jim, you had talked about um, product market fit earlier and just kind of general products, but I'd be curious, like um, one, I guess, how long have you been with Unstoppable Domains? But two, my main question is um, just kind of what were some of the early lessons you learned while actually building out Unstoppable Domains and actually kind of like creating a product in this fast moving pace like ecosystem? Sure. So I've been in Unstoppable for like four months now, I think. Um, but uh, I'm like almost hitting OG status because it's like when I joined, we were like 38 people and now we're like almost 80. So we've just like gone straight parabolic. And so people are like, oh, like Jimmy, like he's been here a while. I'm like, I mean, four months, I guess. But I guess like if you're in crypto land, like four months does feel like forever. Um, so yeah, so the the learn, sorry, what was, the question was like the learnings I had or like the, the problems yeah, just, I had? Well, I guess I had kind of framed it as like early uh, lessons learned, but you know, four months is kind of um, not the longest time, uh, but in crypto it moves fast. But yeah, just kind of like, what are some some lessons that uh, you learned that were kind of like uh, unexpected as you entered into this like arena? Yeah, that's a good question. Um... I'm trying to think. So I think like what people need to know if you're like, um, like people who are like aren't familiar with like product management and like building for such a fast moving industry is like, in like my company's like, you know, Unstoppable is like early, right? Um, we're still quite small. Is like shit is just like broken all the time. And there are people just screaming in your ear about like how to improve it, right? You have people from, you know, sales slash BD, you have people from marketing, you have people from legal, engineering, you have your customers, right? They're all just like, you need this, you need this, you need this. And it's like, when you're, when you're, when you're in a product position, like your job is to say like, hey, like, I'm gonna do three of those. And then I'm gonna live with the rest. And uh, if people don't like that, then, uh, you know, I'll put my money in my mouth is like, if I think people are gonna leave because of it, then like, I'm a shit person, like, I'm doing a shit job. Right. And like, you should fucking fire me. Um, but for the most part, like I've, I've gotten good to the point where it's like, I know like what those three things I need to do are. And like, I do it really, really well. Right. And like, that's like, that's like kind of like the nature of like being a PM, like in like an early stage company. And so the learnings for me were just like, yeah, I, I'd come from Ripple, which was like way bigger. Right. Like when I left, there were like, what, like 700 people or so. Um, so my learning from like coming from something that was a little bit bigger into something that was smaller was just like, like there's just so much to do. Um, like almost as like, as like an, like kind of like an additive thing, right? So it's like, if you're in PM role, like everything's broken, like you're trying to fix things. But when you're an early stage startup, it's like, especially in crypto, it's like, oh, you can do a bajillion things, right? In, in addition to fixing, fixing the shit that's wrong, right? And I think it's up to me to like also like trying to determine like what are the most interesting things I can experiment with and like try to limit like how much investment we have into that from like a money perspective, from like a you know people perspective, from a time perspective, right? Just to have some learnings. Um, and so a, a great EG is like um, like <laughs> like my, my founder CEO Matt. Like he was like, oh like 
what's going on with like avatar pfps like should we do something with that and like that was like literally like all he gave me right and i was like hmm like should we do something with that probably and so like maybe i'll pin a tweet up in a sec like we're doing a collaboration uh with deadheads uh that's gonna be announced uh next week uh, that i think is gonna be pretty fucking sick um but i had to do it in a way that was like I know I didn't take like half of my company to like do this shit right for like six months. It's like, no, I had one person for two weeks. Uh, like, what can you do? And what are we going to learn from that? And so that's kind of like, a, I don't know, a little bit of learning for me. It was just like, okay, like how do you take all these good ideas, how you prioritize them and how do you like scale down what you can deliver into like, in order to maximize learnings. That's awesome. Um, I really appreciate you sharing that insight. And like one thing that, that really stood out to me is just this interesting dynamic with how the game is completely changed when it comes to a company's allegiance. So like you talked about just all the different stakeholders of opinions that you need to consider from like your users, your customers, um, your stakeholders, everyone. Right. But, you know, from the corporate world where you came from previously, really the only allegiance was, I mean, kind of your customer, of course, but outside of that, it's just the shareholders. And so, like, it's going to be really interesting moving forward to kind of see this, like, dynamic, dynamic continue to play out um, in this industry. Totally, man. Yeah. Fucking crazy times. Uh, Mewtwo, do you want to touch on uh, the next side of questions? Sure. Yeah, right on. Um, Jim... Can you kind of dive into like the actual importance of owning a domain um, and like at the, at the most basic level for even like a newcomer who doesn't even understand like what a domain is? Oh, man. I, this is good. This is good. I, I need to I need to do this. Uh, this is a good exercise. Um, so a domain is like so. Let's separate this question into two different parts. One is like, what is a domain? And the second thing is like, why is it important for it to be decentralized? Um, and so a domain is uh, like, basically it is like, uh, what's the best way to put it? So it's like, it's, you know, like those things that like are like website names that just like um, you know, like give you access to websites. So it's like google.com, right? And so google.com is like a domain. And what you're actually getting is like, it's a, it's kind of like a key for like a value that it resolves, right? And so when you get google.com, you get like, I don't even, I used to know the IP address of google.com. I don't know anymore, but it goes into an IP address, right? And how that works is like, there's basically this like centralized database that's like google.com equals this IP address, right? It's like one entry of like a huge database. Uh, and so when you enter google.com, every website browser knows, okay, I'm actually going to like send a request into this big centralized database and I'm gonna return the IP address. And the IP address is actually the thing that gives you content, right? You send like an HTTP request or an HTTPS request in this case, and you get some shit back, right? You get data back that then your browser reads or client reads, and it's like, okay, cool. Like, ta-da, like this is the google.com page with the search bar and stuff like that. Uh, so that is a domain. 
Um, and why it's important for it to be decentralized uh, is, so like, go, let's go back to like that centralized like DB that I was telling you about, right? Like every time you go to the web browser, it goes and uh, it reads like google.com equals this IP address, right? Um, so, I mean, I've, I've said the word centralized a few times, so that's kind of like a dead giveaway. Like it's centralized, so like it lives somewhere, right? Um, and in this case, it doesn't even live on like something that we're familiar with. It's not like some sort of like Postgres uh, DB that like, you know, like is like pretty scalable and stuff like that. It's probably like living in like some sort of like Oracle DB, like owned by this big, like some of these big companies that basically own these domain names, right? And so if you know like GoDaddy and like Namecheap, like these people like actually don't own these domains, they're resellers, so they buy them and flip them to us, uh, or like they operate for us. Like these companies are called like Verisign or like, you know, these like long boomer ass names uh, that like own these DVs, right? It's like, they're, they're, it's like some old school shit. Um, and so uh, when, you, when you look at the current state and you look at like what it means to be decentralized, like what we're trying to do is like we're taking that like centralized um, like DV and like the centralized like boomer company that's running it. And we're basically like disintermediating them, right? So we're putting it on Ethereum. So in the smart contract, uh, on EVM, we have a smart contract called the registry. It's basically the same shit. It's a table, right? It goes, hey, zerxgym.dao or zerxgym.crypto or a bunch of other like top level domains uh, equals my ETH address, right? Which is like, I don't know, zerx7ba, I don't know, some shit like that. Um, and why is that important? It's important because uh, now, because you have that disintermediation, uh, well, one thing is it's never down, right? The analog is like, have, has Uniswap ever been down? No, it fucking hasn't. But Coinbase has been down all the time. And so it's a really similar analog. The second thing is the censorship resistant, right? And so a great, uh, I, I have two awesome analogies for you, uh, crypto related. One was literally last week, last week, Wallet Connect, if you guys are familiar with Wallet Connect, their website.org got flagged by Namecheap as like doing like suspicious activity, right? I mean, they're a crypto company, but apparently they were erroneously flagged. I don't fucking know. Anyway, their shit was down for like, caught like 12 hours and people were freaking the fuck out. Like I have a friend, he works at Rainbow and he was like, yeah, that sucked, right? It's like, yeah, but people use Rainbow to connect the dApps on their web browser. And you can't do that uh, with, with Wallet Connects down. And that's because like some centralized party that no one gives a, like that no one even thinks about on a day-to-day -day basis just like flagged you and like turned off your service, right? Which is like pretty crazy. Uh, the second one is like they're an attack vector. And so GoDaddy actually got fished, like an employee at GoDaddy got fished and it was the account manager for liquid.com, liquid like the uh, Asia-based um, crypto exchange. And so because it got fished, they were able to point liquid.com to a similar looking site that wasn't run by liquid and so people were ending in like their password and counter information like their keys and all this shit and this shit got jacked because uh yeah an attack vector that again if you're an operator of these companies you don't even fucking think about on a day-to-day -day basis and so like decentralization is like really important in that regard and so what we're trying to offer people is like essentially that assurance by like again like disintermediation like disintermediation away from those like partners that like have previously offered this like legacy system to you in the form of like this database lookup. 
yeah, you're essentially removing the middleman and also providing an extra layer of security, if I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly. Yeah, definitely. And like, I think where it gets kind of interesting and hard to articulate succinctly is like, uh, we're taking this mechanism of like a decentralized database with like some sort of like human readable name. And we're, we're using it as like, the ability to add any arbitrary data into that name, right? And so, like, that's where, like, if you want, like, you don't even have to just, like, resolve a website, right? You can resolve, like, a crypto address. And so if people want to send money to me, uh, feel free to do so, by the way. Uh, XeroxGym.DAO, if you want to send me Bitcoin, ETH, Monero, you know, Zcash, blah, 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 what the fuck. Um, you could do that, right? Like you just enter into a compatible wallet and send it so you don't have to think about all these like different wallet addresses that you have to like copy and paste or scan a QR code for. Uh, and you can do a bunch of other novel stuff that we're kind of cooking up. Uh, you could see like a future like crazy dystopian world, or not dystopian, but futuristic world where it's like uh, you can enter your electronic medical records there and there's a zero knowledge proof so that no one can read it, which doesn't occur right now. You can still read all the like data that you append to your name right now because we're not in a zero knowledge world. Um, but you can do that and then you can, you know, permission it to the right healthcare provider so that they can like see your medical history and shit like that. But you don't share it to like your insurer, right? So they're like, you know, that, that's always the fear of electronic medical records. It's like, oh, like the doctor can see it, but also my insurance company can see it. So they see I have a pre-existing condition. So this is like a very American specific thing. Uh, but like, you don't have to do that in this like EMR world where you have like zero knowledge proofs appended to your name. Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's a ton of advantages to this this type of technology. Um, I was also curious, like, why why you guys chose to, like, not have any renewal fees with the service? Uh, I mean, like, it, I think it's just, like, to the ethos of what we're trying to do, right? It's, like, your name forever. Um, I'm not quite sure how, like, other like products do it or like they have a renewal fee. Like, I don't know how that works from like a decentralization perspective. Is there like some sort of like time-based escrow that happens? I don't know. I haven't really peered underneath the hood, uh, but for us, it's like, yeah, we're just going to like, we own it. We're just going to send it to you. And now you own it now. Congrats. Like it's yours forever. Like we have nothing to do with that. It, it just makes intuitive sense to me. That's awesome. Um, from a technical perspective, I, I don't have a ton of knowledge from, but, is it IPFS that enables a lot of this to occur? And if so, could you kind of like dive into that? Or if, if the answer is yes, and that's kind of like what you just went over. Yeah, so the short answer is yes. Uh, you could um, upload your files into IPFS, which is like a peer-to-peer content storage system. Uh, kind of like, you know, it has the same mechanism as like, uh, like seeding and pairing that I think happens at like Pirate Bay and like LimeWire and shit like that. Um, so you could do that. Uh, for us, like we're, and I'm, I'm like full disclosure, I'm like super homies with like the Protocol Labs people. So IPFS, IPNS, Filecoin, like that shit that I enjoy and I respect. Um, but we're definitely agnostic from like what distributed content management uh, or, or content um, provider rather, or content... Uh, distributed content storage or content provider that you need to have and so like you could see a world where like you put it on our weave right or you can put it on swarm um i think swarm uh it's like one of those like earlier ethereum based distributed content management protocols 
Um, but um, so like we're, we're unopinionated, right? Uh, but I would say like the best tooling happens with IPFS right now. And so we've been pretty close partners with them because yeah, like our value proposition doesn't make a ton of sense if like you're just using our naming standard and like not adding some sort of like distributed content uh, in the back end. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. No, I, I just, I saw them list on your guys' website and I've seen them before. Um, so it's just more, they're just kind of a, a one solution of many that are emerging in this market. Yeah, definitely. And then for folks like that are curious, like the differences of what I just outlined, like IPFS, like is distributed, but I would not say it's like, uh, it's not like, uh, it runs forever. Right, like Ethereum in theory, like runs forever because of the nodes that uphold the system and validate uh, state changes uh, to the virtual machine. IPFS is basically like, again, it's like LimeWire. It's like someone needs to like store this file locally, like this complete file locally, uh, and multiple people store it uh, on this like distributed protocol, and then you like request this content. Uh, to be retrieved uh, when you hit a request into one of the IPFS like gateways or endpoints, right? Um, and so you can see a world where like people just don't store it anymore, right? And like that's not like a crazy thing that like could occur. And so in like 10, 30 years, it's like, no, no one stores your fucking, you know, like your dog JPEG PFP anymore, right? Even though it was supposed to be quote unquote distrib like decentralized. And so you kind of like shit out of luck. So like that's like one thing. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? And like Filecoin, I think, adds a layer of like, ec like uh, economic incentives on top of it in order to actually ensure uh, like the perpetuity of this information storage. Um, but then you have Arweave, which is like more like, it's like, I'm not sh exactly sure, but like it kind of prevents that from happening, right? So it's like, I think they like shard all the information and it's like distributed a bunch of bunch of nodes. Uh, and so, uh, it's a little bit, it's, it's more just like the iteration, a bit more tamper proof and future proof than IPFS. Hey, so, uh, Jim, can you go more in depth on how the payments work? Like say, so say you send a super high dot ETH that can that be linked to like a different wallet address or does that have to be to your main address? Um, yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, no, that's a good question. I would say, so. Again, like .eth is uh, ENS, right? Ethereum name service, which is uh, a slightly different kind of implementation than what we do. Uh, but I can talk about how we do it on our end, and I'm, I'm sure like there's going to be a good amount of overlap. And so what? Yeah. yeah. Or should I .frog? Yeah. Yeah, I feel. My no, 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 all good. Um, so for us, like we have two separate smart contracts on Ethereum. One is called the registry, and one is called the resolver. And so the registry is like this DB that I was telling you about, right? It's like 0xgym.dao equals, you know, my ETH address. Uh, and that's like the owner of this and has like right access uh, to all, like to be able to like overwrite or add new data uh, that can be returned. Like if you were to like look up 0xgym.dao, right? So that's the registry. The resolver is kind of like the complement of that, where it's like, okay, like this is like where you actually store more information, right? And so, for like the technical folks, like zerxgem.dao, like you can have, um, like you can append like more information to it as metadata um, with like different fields, right? And so it's like 
that's where you add like eth.address or btc.address. This is like the actual nomenclature of the protocol that we use. Um, you know, zcash.address, right? Or you have like erc20.eth.address, right? If it's like multi-chain. And so from a client perspective, right, your app, like what happens is if you're trying to send me money and you go 0xgym.dao, it's actually making a request to our resolver contract and saying, okay, like what, what happens with 0xgym.dao, right? And I can do one of two things. One is like if you just say, hey, give me everything that 0xgym.dao has, I'll just give you everything in some sort of like JSON blob, right? It'll just be like everything, like my BTC, my ETH address, my IPFS hash, uh, other kind of arbitrary shit that I've decided to append to it. Um, but if you add an additional field, you go, hey, I just want the ETH address because I'm a payments app and this person is just trying to send ETH to me, uh, it'll just return my ETH address, right? And so when it's sending, it's, it's still sending to my ETH address, but there's a layer of abstraction underneath it, right? So it's like, if you ever, like, if you try to use an app and you go 0xgym.dao, it will actually return the ETH address. Um, so it's not like you're actually sending it to 0xgym.dao. No, you're still sending it to my ETH address. There's just like this quick lookup function essentially that happens uh, in order to ensure like easier user experience. Oh, okay. So could you also think, well, first off, thank you for going in depth. Uh, that now makes more sense. And can you also touch on the resolution out? Oh, yeah, the resolution algorithm. Sure. Yeah. So it's like less, it's not really an alga. It's just like, um, it's just like a really simple, like you like send a request, right? And then you get like a response. And so like, let's say the request is like 0xgym.dao, like comma, like eth.address, right? Then it's just going it, to, then it's going to go, it's going to go, okay, I want to look up the entry that has 0xgym.dao. Okay, cool. There's also a bunch of other additional fields to it, right? Okay, now I want to do a second like sub lookup for ETH address. Okay, cool. Now I found like this, you know, alphanumeric string. I'm just going to return that now. That's basically like what the robots are doing. Got it. Thank. Hey, Jim. Chase, were you? Yeah, um, Jim. You had touched on um, how you guys have like two smart contracts. I know. Um, you guys are also integrated uh, with Chainlink. Could you kind of expand on that, like what that relationship looks like? And also one thing that I find like really interesting I want to dive into is just kind of uh, about the online identi uh, identity and be able to like link across that across the Web3 ecosystem. Sure, man. Uh, so I'll double click. Uh, I'll kind of like um, separate this into two different uh, components. So one is like what the Chainlink like integration when Unstoppable is. And then the second thing is like what we've actually built is kind of like call it the reference implementation for this. Um, or just like call it just like the first use case for inspiration. And so we built uh, basically a way to do uh, off-chain verification of uh, like any sort of like arbitrary account that you want to tie to your domain name, right? And so you can see this is pretty powerful because we have like all sorts of like disparate identities uh, that are floating around uh, in like this like quasi metaverse. And so you have like your Twitter, your LinkedIn, your Instagram, your, your Git account, um, like all these things. And so like they all kind of just like represent different parts of you. And 
again, like the vision for uh, like our domain names has always been like, again, it's like it's a name that returns a bunch of information for you, right? And so it makes a ton of sense that like there should be a level of verification that like if you were to look at my name, I would give you my Twitter account, but it would be verified on chain that that's actually my Twitter account, right? It's like, I can't just put like anyone's Twitter account. Um, and that's pretty interesting because then there's like this trustlessness of like, okay, like you're actually who you say you are, right? And that's good because one, like, let's say you're trying to send me money. It's like, oh, like this person linked his like actual Twitter account. Like I trust Jim, right? Like this person seems like a real, real ass person. Uh, and I'm not saying it to like a fake account or like a, a or like a not even like a real account, right? Uh, so that's pretty good. Uh, the second thing is like you can think about as, as some form of like anti-civil resistance, uh, which uh, <laughs> uh, it basically means like you are human, right? It's like you're not like a bunch of bots that are trying to like, a, you know, a game some sort of like system, some sort of like vote or, you know, like let's say you can game some sort of like, uh, like let's say, um, you know, let's say like a DEX had like a competition or like, yeah, that's a good one. So it's like the Uniswap drop, right? So it's like, everyone got 400 uni, it was a fair drop. You, in theory, could have just like spun up a bunch of addresses, just like get a bunch of the uni, right? Had you known beforehand that they would have done that shadow, like that kind of like last minute drop. Uh, and so anti-civil resistance is like, no, like you are who you say you are, boom, done, right? Um, so it's pretty cool. That's like kind of like what we wanted to do um, at a high level. And like, we want this, we want this name to just like have a bunch of shit that's like verifiably attached to it. Um, so that's the first piece. Sorry, that was kind of long. <laughs> uh, the second piece is we actually built Twitter verification, right? And so like we built the framework for this and we also built like an, like kind of like a use case to highlight how interesting it is. And so we built a smart contract on Ethereum that basically does two things. Um, one is, uh, sorry, I'm trying to think exactly how, how it happens. Um, well, basically at high level, and like we can double click if people are interested, like it links your domain name to, um, and to a tweet that you post using the Chainlink Oracle, right? Um, and so like, if you, like, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty standard. Like, you know, you've seen a lot of places that are like, oh, tweet this. And like, we'll like, you know, give you like five internet points or something like that. Right. Or it's like you're more likely to get like a giveaway. So it's like a really similar mechanism. But what's novel is like we use the Chainlink Oracle network in order to like actually um, like in a decentralized way, ensure that that was tweeted from like my account. Right. Uh, as opposed to like just trusting the Twitter API. So uh, that's basically what happens at a high level in order to allow for Twitter verification. Gotcha. Yeah, that's. Um... That's actually really interesting. I'd be curious if we could like dive into like the ramifications of that as like we head into this like future of like distributed companies and like now we're seeing a lot of DAOs kind of like cross collaborate like you're seeing that across the DeFi ecosystem. Um, I'm curious like if you or kind of you guys have kind of like talked about like what this looks like several years down the road whenever it's kind of because in a way it kind of creates a uh, like a trustworthy presence where you know that person collaborating with you um is who they are or is who they say they they are right um does that make sense 
Uh, no, sorry. No. So, like, it, the way I'm, like, thinking, like, five to ten years out in the future, right, where it kind of, like, if we continue this trend, it seems like a lot of people are going to be working remote and working for, like, crypto-native companies. And it seems like this is kind of a way to have, like, a verified identity while remaining anonymous, but also having reputation attached to your actual, like, internet name, if that makes sense, or your internet identity. Yeah, so that's like a huge problem space right now that I think a lot of people are tackling in different ways. Um, so like there's there's a lot to unpack there, right? Like one is like, um, like what I said, it's like anti-civil resistance. It's like you are a human, right? Like one account equals one ETH address equals one human. Um, there's also the piece around like in like anon culture and like reputation which I think is also like important, although like slightly separate um, because, you know, um, you can like see a world where it's like you're anon, but like there's some, uh, like you, there's some reputation score that you hold in the form of like an ERC 20 balance um, that like shows like how legit you are based on like your Git commits if you're a dev or based on, you know, like your Twitter followers or your tweet history or your contributions to some, you know, DAO publication. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's just like a really big problem space people are tackling. On the anti-civil resistance piece, like, I think proof of humanity is definitely the most interesting one that I've seen. Um, and so it's like, uh, Jimmy Regrosa from Claros. It's um, Santiago, blanking on his last name. Um, thinking about this, it's it's really really cool because once you do uh, prove of humanity, that's what they call it, right? You know, one wall equals one human. Then you can start doing a bunch of like public goods for them and social services. So it's like uh, Santiago is doing this like UBI program in order to like airdrop people uh, who like qualify for some threshold as a human to like get money from this like protocol. Um, so it's essentially like bankrolling UBI, right, from like a decentralized governance perspective. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm rambling right now, but it's a it's a pretty big problem space. So I think a lot of people are tackling. No, that's all. I I I for one, I appreciate your uh, your ramble. So please um, keep them going. I mean, th this whole industry, um, and it's just there's so many different avenues. Um, so I appreciate you kind of touching into that. I actually haven't really heard much about that, so I have to look into more of that. Yeah, I mean, this space is too big. Like, it's too big <laughs> uh, for, for any one person to truly grasp, like, everything about it. Um, that's the beauty of just, like, having a community talking to folks because it's like we're all just tackling little bits and pieces of it. Um, and you kind of did touch on, like, the integrations uh, with, with the browsers. Um, can you kind of like highlight like what the advantage is to actually be able to directly integrate with, with all the different browsers that you can with unstoppable domains? Yeah. So, I mean, the benefit for us is obviously like utility, right? It's like, you want ubiquity for these products. Um, if it's like fragmented ubiquity, like that kind of sucks, right? It's like the analogy of like, oh, like you have a cell phone, uh, with Verizon, but, uh, it only works in the East coast. Right, you got to get another thing for the West Coast. You're like, okay, like why the fuck do I have Verizon, right? Like, I might as well just get something else. Uh, so it's the same like network effects, right? Uh, you want just like ease of use and ubiquity, and so like that's why it's such a ground war, and that's why we're like trying so hard to like fight for these integrations. 
uh, and why it's like super important. Um, why it's important for these like apps that actually integrate with us. Um, I mean, we have over 1.2 million domains registered, right? So it's like we carry a decent amount of uh, like users and like clout with us. And so like when we go and like we work with these app teams for integrations, like they know that they have basically like another revenue stream or another user base that they can tap into. So it's like kind of like mutually beneficial for us to work together. I, uh, I was looking at your guys' website um, last night and I saw that you guys are also, um, I guess it would be integrated um, with the graph. Could you kind of touch on what that relationship looks like and um, what that does for you guys? Sure. So, uh, I mean, like, I'm just a huge fan of the graph. I think that's just like foundational infrastructure for what we want to do. Like, if you don't have data indexing, like, and you have a fully, you know, um, you have like a fully auditable, uh, like blockchain or like transaction history you can read, then like, what's the point of like having it being, you know, have it being uh, fully auditable and have it being transparent. It's like, it's lost in the noise. Like we're generating like gigabytes of data at this point, right. Of just like state changes and transactions and, and everything like that. Um, so the graph is really important. Um, our integration with the graph is basically like we allow for um, like we index like all of the uh, like activity that blockchain that like our domains use. So it's like every time there's uh, you know uh, record management uh, and stuff like that. What there is a limitation into is uh, blockchain reads, and so basically hitting the like the the resolver contract right. And so when you hit the resolver contract, it's just the read. You're not changing anything. Uh, and that's not something that's recorded basically anywhere. Like no Ethereum client is going to record that event for you. Uh, but you can do like, you know, new domains minted, uh, like new records written, stuff like that. Things are actually like revolve, like involve state changes on Ethereum. And so like we open source that and like anyone can like leverage that data and like write their own uh, like analyses with it, right? Like we definitely believe in like the openness and permissionless data because I don't know. That's kind of like the whole fucking point, isn't it, <laughs> of crypto? Yeah, I'm actually curious, uh, selfishly curious, as a uh, curator, have you guys deployed your subgraph to mainnet? We have. Oh. Yeah, All man, right. check it out. Yeah, I'm in that awkward 28-day uh, unthawing period, so it's on, it's on the bucket list when that day comes. Yeah, I feel. I mean, to be frank, man, like, I don't even know how many people use it. It's just something that we did to, like, be a good ecosystem participant. There was, like, no, like, business mandate behind it. If you'd be a curator, that'd be dang. And, like, then I can actually feel like I'm using the end cycles wisely. Yeah, no, actually, I think uh, I'll, I'll ping you uh, just to make sure because there's a lot of uh, rug pulls that happen on these, like, fake subgraphs. But, yeah, I think I found you guys' uh, subgraph. We're not going to rug you, sir. <laughs> That's the worst. You, you move from DeFi to go to infrastructure and you still get rugged. And they're all rugs, just different names. I'm actually uh, curious, switching gears a little bit. Um, we also saw that you guys have a grant program. Uh, could you, do you have any knowledge on that? Could you touch on that? Uh, sure. So we have a couple. <laughs> 
uh, it just shows you the nature of like, we're growing so fast. It's like, we just do a bunch of crap and have no documentation for it. Uh, so we have a grant, I think with IPFS that talk about building the decentralized web. Uh, so that's pretty cool. I think it's just like a couple million there. Um, and then we have a separate one that I, what we call the quest and that's the one that I run. Uh, and that's basically like bounties uh, for devs to like do like cool projects uh, and add utility to the unstoppable ecosystem. So it's like integrating with these open source wallets, building, you know, like the Webflow or like the the Wix for IPFS, um, and uh, you know, adding new uh, social verification uh, smart contracts for uh, the Chainlink integration, and, and so it's stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's all the visibility I really have into it. Um, I, I'm sure there's like at least two more grant programs that we have that we've kind of just like thrown out there. I don't know. We got to be more efficient about that. But sorry, and, and I think like it gets to a point where it's like, I mean, you look at like Uniswap, you look at some of these DAOs, it's like these people just like have money. <laughs> Honestly, like money is not the issue. Uh, deployment's the issue right it's a human issue it's like you don't have enough people to organize more like to give money to other people to add value ecosystem right and so you, you hear a lot of builders and a lot of vcs and they're like oh man like these DAOs, like they need to spend way more money right like it's if this were like you know facebook in 2012 like they'd be blowing cash right because they know the roi is there and these DAOs are just like so constrained it's almost like uh, it's kind of like a, this funny paradox. It's like you have too much money, not enough people. You can't even hire enough people quickly enough in order to spend this money. Um, I'm not saying that's us, but, you know, it's just kind of like a funny observation that it's like, yeah, like you make grant programs. I don't know. Hopefully shit figures itself out. <laughs> no, that's that's actually a really interesting dynamic to point out uh, because I feel like that's it. It's a paradox. Exactly. That is not normal. Uh, to have a like a new company essentially and be flush with cash, but be lacking human capital. I mean, man, like we've grown, we doubled in three months since I've been here. Three four months I've been here. Um, like we're still like we still need more people. Like I would love to double my engineering team. Like that would be sick as fuck. We can't get enough people. Like, I mean, that gets into a broader issue. It's like. We're trying to, I'm, I'm trying to hire Web3 devs, right? Like, I need devs that know Solidity. Um, there's just not that many Solidity devs, right? So it's like, okay, do you hire a Web2 dev, you train them? But it's like, you don't even find enough Web2 devs that are, like, even interested in, like, crypto, right? So it's kind of like this land grab right now. Uh, I think the whole industry is feeling it. It's like, shit, like, like, let's not even talk about from a dev perspective. Like, let's talk about community. Let's talk about marketing. Like, there are not enough people interested, like, too much money, not enough people. It's a big fucking problem. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested, Loki. <laughs> Come find me. Um, kind of switching a little bit to like the future um, of Unstoppable Domains. Um, like, wh uh, what do you guys have planned? I guess like on the roadmap for the rest of this year um in terms of like big releases anything anything you could talk about uh i can't talk about too much um as i'm sure everyone says that when they get asked this question uh i will give you three tidbits 
One is uh, L2. Like, the world is L2, right? Like, that's where every dap is moving. Uh, and I think we've said this publicly, so I'm not going to get in trouble for saying this. Uh, we want to move to L2. That's our highest priority right now. Um, because what happens right now, now that you guys know how <laughs> it happens underneath the hood, uh, when you add more information to your domain, right? When you add information to the resolver contract, you have to pay a gas fee, right? And that kind of confuses people. Like, let's say you want to change your ETH address, right? You have to pay like three dollars for that, and they're like, "What the fuck?" Like, like a lot of our a lot of our users are like, uh, "Sorry, a lot of our customers like they don't know what's happening underneath the hood, right?" So it's like if you don't communicate that. Or even if you communicate it, it's still fucking complex. But it's like people get pissed. They're like, what the hell? Like, this is unusable. Like, why would I, right? Like, you think about it from like a Web2 standpoint. Like, if I change like my username for Twitter, like I'm not paying $3 for it. That's like horseshit, right? And so that's super high priority for us. Like we want it to be insanely cheap so that we can subsidize it as a company and not have users pay for it. That's one tidbit. Um, not anything controversial at all. Uh, the second tidbit is we want more utility for these domains. And so... When we look at the use cases for domains, therefore resolving decentralized websites and therefore payments, um, that's cool, but there's way more that we can do. And there's a huge, huge white space about what we can explore. And in a couple, about a couple of weeks, uh, we're about to unveil something uh, super sick uh, that I've been working really, really hard on. So uh, excited for that to come out. But just know that it's going to add a ton of utility to why you want a domain in the first place. Um, the last piece, is um, just two. We'll take the we'll take, we'll take we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I love Mr. Spence. It's like just two. It's it's all planned. <laughs> I'm sure I had a third one. I forgot it though. Chase, you want to touch on that other? I think that was your question, that last one. Um, yeah, what I know you had kind of touched on this already. It sounds like you're looking for a lot of developers, but um, what jobs are you kind of looking for like in the near term future? Like you're looking for program managers, project managers. Um, what what skill sets are you guys needing? Yeah, I would say like in order of like highest priority to lowest. I mean, they're all high priority. I gotta make people feel bad about themselves. Yeah, um, low priority. I'm not. Developing. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, uh, the highest priority is actually not developers. I actually think we're okay with developers. We have uh, Ethereum OGs that are just fucking amazing. Uh, these guys are amazing. I've worked with a shit ton of devs in my career. These guys are insanely amazing. Um, no, but the most important thing is product managers, honestly, like people like me. Uh, so we have two PMs in our team. It's me and Michael. Uh, is Michael on? No, but he's pretty uh, well-versed in crypto Twitter as well. Um, and uh, so I do platforms. And so I do, right, like new, inter I do new uh, experiments. I do integrations, uh, stuff like that. Uh, Michael, like I would say like I'm probably like the more Web3 native PM and then Michael's more of like the web two PM. So he does like the actual website. So he does like the e-commerce flow. Uh, he, he does our mobile app, um, stuff like that. Uh, and so, uh, we're pretty slammed cause it's like, 
I mean, Michael's doing the job of like three PMs, maybe it's like no PM should be e-commerce and mobile. And then our e-commerce team is like, kind of like this Frankenstein. It's like, it has DevOps too. So it has like the backend infra. Uh, so it has like data availability, uptime, right? Like uh, API response time, like stuff like that. Like that's, that's too much work for him. Like we need to clone Michael. Um, for me, like I'm getting pretty slammed too. Cause it's like, I kind of have three things on my plate. One is like, I do platform, so I do tooling. I also do experience, which is like, uh, it's like slightly different. Uh, it's like more of like, how do you onboard developers as opposed to like, what tools can you give them to like actually use our products? Uh, and I'm also doing like community. And so like this, you know, like, it's like going to hackathons, running the grants program, stuff like that. And so uh, pretty slim too. So that's that. Uh, that's the most important one, I think, for us PMs. Uh, devs, obviously, still super important. Um, and then second thing, I, I'm sorry, the third thing I think would be, um, I think we need more like, maybe we want more like integration engineers. And so slightly different from like Swedes, like normal devs, well, not normal, <laughs> um, but uh, these people like help our partners like integrate. Uh, and like, I think we need more of that because it's like our integration is like non-trivial. Um, and then we of course still need more like growth people i think that's still super important we need more data analytics people like we're basically just like putting our finger to the wind we're like huh like we should probably do that uh so i mean we, we need everything uh for for a, like a lack of a better answer but i'd say like those five are, are pretty important or top of mind for me that's awesome so if you're listening reach out don't be uh don't be a stranger the help is needed yeah, I would, so I, I would say, I don't know where I'd rank it, but something that is really, really important is a community team. And we can go down this rabbit hole if you're interested, um, but I think community in a crypto company or a Web3 company is super, super important, right? That's like, like you, you, you hear the term, it's like when you build open source software, like you can fork code, but you can't fork a community. Uh, well, you also can't really fork code as we've seen with a lot of this like Binance Smart Chain stuff. Um, but yeah, you definitely can't afford community. And I would say our community is still very nascent. It's small, but you know, small, it's, it's, it's mighty, uh, but, but still small. And that's something that I probably am the, you know, me and, and Mike Imperiali is on, like we're two probably the only people thinking about this uh, at our company. And so we really need to scale that because like getting a community of people who think about this stuff that don't work full-time unstoppable is like imperative. Like, truly truly just like insanely important for like the health of a web two like a web three company absolutely um i i couldn't agree more we're uh we, we talk about it a lot but we're, we're big fans of metcalf's law on uh a lot of our investments but i think even just like from a like product perspective or um user perspective you know it, it, it's the most important thing so yeah and i would say like like Metcalf's law is super important for sure for like network effects, but it's like, I think Web3 just like really supercharges it. Um, like I've, I read this article, I don't, I don't remember the exact formula of it, but it's like when you have intrinsic like economic gain uh, from like this network effects for each participant, right? When you look at like token, like tokenomics of like some of these DAOs and protocols, like it 
it just like it makes Metcalf's law just like insanely more impactful because it's like people become super users they have skin in the game right it's like totally different than what we've seen with like existing systems of like you know the telephone and uh, email and, and and stuff like that yeah I, I guess like around community gym like we're what are like the barriers you guys are facing right now in terms of acquisition and actually getting new users involved in unstoppable domains and I mean, you, you know, you have to kind of be a little bit more of an advanced crypto user, right, to even want an address. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, like, what do you, what kind of barriers are you facing in in that in that arena? Yeah, so I'd say there's probably like three barriers. I call it like as a product barrier, there is a actual like community activation barrier. Uh, and then lastly, I think there's a bit of like a top of funnel barrier. Uh, and so on the product side, it's like, like I said, like you only really do like two things with these domains, right? Um, so like that's just tough for like people to participate if they want to build on top of it because like the surface area is quite small. So that's why it's been like really important for me, like priority number one to like add more surface area for these devs to like hack around with our stuff, right? It's like we go to Hackathon, it's like, oh, like you can have a website or you can do payments. And then people who are like fucking around with like a thousand X leverage on like Ave or something, they're like, huh? Yeah, I'm not going to do that. And you're like, damn it. <laughs> like come build with us. But it's uh, so we're trying to make it more enticing. Uh, so that's one piece. I'd say the activation barrier is real. Uh, so again, like only really two people thinking about community or company. We have what, like 3000 people over our discord. They're like, I want to volunteer. I want to volunteer. And you're like, whoa, like, it would be really cool if you could like tell me what you want to do, right? Uh, but uh, obviously, that's not the world that we live in, uh, and so you kind of need to like spend a lot of uh, human capital to like uh, provide a, like a kind of like a framework or structure for people to actually like participate uh, and and be involved, right? And you also want to think about like what is like minimum like minimum threshold of involvement for like people to feel ownership over this community. And so this is something I think a ton about. It's like, how do you actually like run a playbook for uh, this like viral loop of community participation, right? So it's like, uh, we go to our Discord, it's like, okay, like you have to say hello. Like if you say hello, I got you, <laughs> right? Uh, but most people who join a Discord, you don't say hello. So it's like, how do you do that? How do you put them through a funnel of like actual activation? That's super important and not something that we fully optimized. Uh, and then the last piece is like top of funnel. It's like, uh, when you look at our branding, it's like very normie friendly. It's like, you know, a credit card payment flow. It's like, you know, we abstract away a, a decent amount of like the actual crypto stuff. Uh, and so when you get people join a discord, which is like inherently very dev heavy, very crypto native, like I want to help, but I'm a web two developer. What's IPFS? And you're like, oh man, like, can you be helpful? Like maybe I'll try to find a place for you. But I mean, for right now, like I try to prioritize people that, uh, are already familiar and I don't need to like, you know, educate them while they also uh, provide value for the community. So that's something that I don't know. I don't know if it's like truly solvable based on like the brand of what we're trying to do as a company versus like what I would like to see from a dev community. Um, but, uh, you, know, I don't, you know, Mike's way smarter than me, so I'm sure he's going to figure it out and I'll just like fucking I don't know, drink a beer and like hang out or something. 
No, I think uh, I think just staying active and continuing to build a product is probably the best uh, the best solution because as you guys continue to improve and more features are rolled out, um, eventually, right, you'll you'll hit the nail on the head as long as you continue to be active. And you guys already have, like you said, over a million domains actually registered, which is incredible. Um, Super Chase, do you guys have any uh, any other questions? No, I just wanted to say, Jim, thank you for coming on and, you know, just putting all this info out and I'm just soaking it up like a sponge and I'm sure a lot of other people in here are as well. So we really appreciate your time. Yeah. Plus, uh, plus one to that. Um, I think, I, I think I might have to get a, a domain, an unstoppable one. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm curious though. Why did, why did you go with the dot Dow? I could see some benefits like down the line. Um, with it, but I'd be curious. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me on, guys. Like, these are some giga brain questions you asked. Um, so I definitely appreciated uh, the convo. Um, on the dot DAO piece, uh, I mean, the short answer is like, I'm a brand, right? Uh, or I see myself as a brand. Uh, that's why I spend so much time on, on Twitter talking to people. Obviously, it's a community, but at the end of the day, like, I want to build myself as a brand and I want to reward the people who follow me on this journey. Uh, and so later on the line, like there will likely be something around the lines of some sort of community governance, like a DAO uh, around this brand. So uh, this is something that I grabbed early and will probably not activate for a while, but that is my long-term vision. That's awesome. That's kind of like in line with um, the benefits down the line of what I was getting at of it kind of being like a, a DAO. Um, no, it's, that's awesome. Also, random last point on the uh, the article you was it Reed's Law, possibly that you were talking about earlier. Maybe, yeah. Okay. How do you spell that? Uh, R E E D. Um, essentially it's, it talks about the value of a network increases dramatically when people form subgroups for collaboration and sharing. Oh, so interesting. Uh, no, that's, not that's like, not what I observe, uh, okay. but I will definitely check that one out. Um, yeah. I'll try to DM you, uh, for sure. the one that I was looking at. Very based. Um, yeah, guys, I think we can close out of here. Um, Jim, really, really appreciate you, you know, taking the time out of your day to, to hop on and chat with us. It was, it was awesome, man. Yeah, man. Thanks again. Again, huge, huge big ups to you guys for, for having me on. Yes, asked probably like the most gigabrain questions I've been asked all, all week. So uh, thank you. <laughs> we made the cut. <laughs> Welcome to the base base. <laughs> <laughs>